This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Lord, we thank you for moments like this. Moments, God, that just seem so ordinary. But God, you delight in making extraordinary. That, Lord, you take in our life what can seem so extreme and big and crazy and chaotic. But, God, when we, when we take that and we put that compared right next to you, what we see is that, God, there truly is no rival to your name. There truly is no limit to your love. There truly is nothing greater than the name that is above all names. And it's a name that we know, and it's the name of Jesus. And so tonight, simply, we gather as a community to lift up your name, Jesus, and to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your greatness. And thank you for what you do in moments like this, where you take what simply could be ordinary, but you make it extraordinary. Lord, I pray in the moments that follow as we're about to look at a text on a page, maybe somebody, it's a cell phone or screen or it's behind me on a screen. Lord, I pray it'd go from being more than just a text, God, but it would become a truth. It would become a truth and a revelation of the life that you've called us to. But God, I pray tonight that we would have a deeper understanding of the depth of your love. God, the love that you don't have that's far from us, but the love that you have that's close to us. And Lord, I pray tonight that in your love that you would do greater things than we could ask or imagine. Lord, I know in a room this size, I would be a fool to think there's not many needs. But God, I'm not the one that knows them, but I thank you that you are. The one that sees us, that knows us, and you know our situation. And I pray tonight, God, that you would pour your spirit out. That Holy Spirit, you would have your way in this place. And that even outside, it may be cold and frightful in here, God. It would truly be warm and delightful, God. And just your goodness overflowing as you're going to be healing, bringing restoration to relationships, bringing strength to those that are broken, bringing healing to those that are depressed, those that are in anxiety. Whatever the situation is tonight, God, we thank you that because of Christ, our situation really is freedom. It's freedom in the life here and now because we experience you. But oh, one day... (laughs) When we see you face to face. Oh, one day what we once saw dimly, we see so clearly. And we finally see you, Jesus. God, we're so grateful for those moments. I'm so thankful for this group and for what you're going to do tonight. And I pray you continue to go before us, moving and doing things that are greater than we could ask or imagine. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for it. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Hey, as you're seated, find two body people next to you. Give them a high five and say, Shiboya. Shiboya. I love it. Some of you are like, what does that mean in the Hebrew? Nothing. That's just a fun word to say. Shiboya. Some of you are going to be laying in bed tonight and you're going to go, Shiboya. Mm, that's a good word. <laughs> so great. Hey, can we give it up for our incredible worship team for Chosen? Come on. Legends. I love it. 
I love their heart. Man, it was so cool getting to meet every single one of them earlier. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm so excited to have my face in the place tonight. Some of you are looking at me like a deer in headlights, and you're like, dude, you are very eccentric and excited in Oklahoma in the winter. And the reason why is because I'm not from Oklahoma. I'm actually from uh, the Republic of Miami, Florida, okay? So that's actually where I'm from, and I'm actually kidding. I'm uh, actually born and raised here in Oklahoma City. The 405, which I love, went from the 405 to the 305. Anyways, that's Miami zip code. But uh, let me tell you this. Before flying here yesterday, uh, I was talking to Alexa. It's my best friend, which is really weird when you think about it. But I was like, Alexa, what's the weather in Miami? And she was like, hey, it's 74. Enjoy your day. I was like, awesome. I was like, what's the weather in Oklahoma City? She's like, you don't want to know. I was like, oh my gosh. She was like, it's 15 degrees. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Firefest because I know it's going to be a lot warmer in there because of the heater, but for real, 15 degrees. So, uh, you know, for real, though, it's good to be back in Oklahoma, also known as Second Alaska, and I'm really glad to be here with you guys. And, uh, again, uh, I'm from Miami, like I said, me and my wife, Jacqueline. Um, we are actually church planners in the Miami area, and... Uh, so exciting to see what God has been doing in Miami, but one of the privileges I have is traveling around the nation and really just sharing the story of Jesus. It's the greatest story that's ever been or ever will be, and so uh, I hope tonight that you came expecting, and I'm not talking about expecting the sense of like when Taco Bell has like a new $5 deal, and you're like, oh, I'm going after work to give me some Taco Bell, okay? I'm not talking that, but I'm talking with the expectation that God's going to do something in your life tonight, you know? Because sometimes people can come into church. I'll be honest. When I say that, I'm mostly talking about myself. I'm like, all right, God, here I am. If you want to do anything, do something. But, like, the truth is when we look in Scripture, here's what we see. God says that we can boldly approach the throne of God. That means we can come to the throne of God. We can get in God's space, and we can say, hey, God, I've got some things going on in my life I really need your help with. But what I love what it says in Scripture, it says when we boldly approach the throne of God, God doesn't say, okay, that's cool. I've got a busy schedule. I'm taking care of the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus in this season. But, hey, I'll check back with you next summer. No, he says we have an advocate, the Holy Spirit, that gets up in our business and starts working out in situations. See, that's the expectancy we have when we come into the place of God. Not just sitting back saying, hey, God, if you want to move, you can move. No, come in saying, God, I know you want to move, and I want you to move in me. I don't care if it's cold outside. I don't care if the hours change it's a little darker. If I heard God's going to be in the place, Lord, I want you to move in my life tonight. And what's so cool is when we look at Scripture, God says when we come with that expectation that he's not going to leave us or forsake us, but he's going to show up and do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I don't know about you, friends. I can imagine some great things in my life. But God has so much greater things than we could even imagine for our life. And so tonight, I hope you came with an expectation. Because truly, as I've been praying and talking with Daniel and the incredible team here, I've just had such a sense of how God is going to work in a unique way. So I want to invite you to lean in today and really just begin to have the simple prayer of, God, I don't want this just to be another night. I just don't want this to be another walkthrough of what's taking place. But I want to know in the depth of my soul that I've encountered Jesus. And I want to know that you're present and that you're moving. And so I hope that you're expectant for tonight. Because here's the truth of God. And maybe you're new to this kind of setting and you're like, hey, I, I just came tonight because I heard there's free pizza. Like, I didn't know this was happening. Like, well, welcome. We're glad you're in this room. Or maybe you're like, hey, I've gone to church a whole lot and we always, like, do this gathering thing. Hey, here's what I want you to know. What's going to happen is over the next few moments, we're just going to look at the Bible. 
And what you're going to figure out real quick is this community right here, we're a community of Jesus people. And we believe and know that Jesus is God and that God is not someone that's far and distant from us, but he's a personal God that is desperately in love with us. And so that's why every time we get together, we actually look at the word of God and we look at the Bible. Because the reason why is we know it's not just a book of fairy tales or fables that like get me chipper in the morning so I can go to work on Monday. But here's what we know. We know that the word of God is the true inspired word of God. Meaning it's God breathed. Meaning that God, check this out, literally ordained and inspired certain people to write a certain message at a certain time. And guess who that was for? It was for you. And here's God's message for you. God loves you. God loves you. Look at somebody next to you and say, God loves you. God loves <laughs> Somebody had big eyes and was like, hey, God loves you. Listen, God loves them. You may love them too. You work that out later, okay? But listen, God loves you. And here's what you need to realize. Your life isn't by accident. It's not like God has some leftover pieces and was like, Dang it, I forgot. I'll make Johnny today. We'll see what happens in his life. No, like God has developed, designed, and created, and destined every minute, moment, and second of your soul. Every detail and fiber of your being is breathed in by the God of the universe. My friends, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not here just randomly trying to figure out what you're going to do and how to have a bougie, great life. No, you are here on purpose. And there's a God that loves you so deeply. This is the truth and this is the message of God. And every time we look at the Bible, this is the word that God has shared and written down. But this is also the word that he shares. And now, now when I say word in English, it's word is one word. But okay, let me explain. So when you look at the original language of the Bible, it wasn't written in, in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew. And what's so exciting every time you look at the original language of the Bible is one word can have so much backing to it. For example, when I say McDonald's, most of you probably don't just hear the word McDonald's. You think, double quarter pounder, large shake, fries, and the playground. Like you're feeling some great things going on. And what's so cool is when we look at the original language of the Bible, we see that there's so much meaning behind such simple words. For example, in the Bible, there's two uses of the word word. Stay with me. The first one is lagos, and the second one is rhema. Now, here's what I want you to see because I'm going somewhere. Lagos is the general word of God. So it's the Bible. It's the revelation of God, the totality and the holistic understanding of who he is. That's what the Bible is, the logos. But what's so cool is God says that he has the logos for us to reveal the generality of who he is. But he also has a rhema word to give to us for what we're specifically going through. See, because the rhema is the specific word that the Holy Spirit reveals to you based on the Logos word that is already revealed. That's why sometimes whenever you're going through a situation and all of a sudden your auntie's getting cray-cray on Facebook and you know you need to talk to her and tell her to quit posting stuff because it's not wise, it's not looking good, all of a sudden you begin to have this understanding of how you need to have a godly conversation with your aunt so there's unity in your home and life's working out. But you're like, wait a second, they didn't talk about Facebook in the Bible. I don't think so. Maybe they did. Oh, that's Pastor Chris. Like, you're wondering. Here's what's so cool. The Holy Spirit is at work in our life, giving us a rhema, a specific word for the situation and circumstance we're going through. So here's what's exciting. Every time we read the Bible, we're not just reading the same script over and over, but we're reading and hearing a living 
active word. Do you realize the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author is actually present with you in the room interpreting for you? Where he's like, hey, you reading that right there? This is what I meant by it. Hey, this is how it applies to your life. And you're like, this is crazy. I don't even live near the ocean. And Jonah in the well is speaking to my soul. And you're understanding what's happening all of a sudden in a moment. It's because the Holy Spirit is involved in your life. And because God cares about your life. Because he loves you so deeply and so radically. And tonight, to echo that so clearly, I want to take us to a verse in the Bible that it's a little obscure. Not many people have heard about it. And maybe you've heard it a couple times. But if you have your Bible with you, you, you can go ahead and turn to John 3.16. Oh, oh, you've heard that one before? Heard it. I can quote the whole thing right now. Awesome. We're about to do that, okay? Listen, John 3.16. Now, now, I know for most of you, if you've grown up going to church, you're like, I already know where he's going. God loves me. It's good. Okay, awesome. But I just want to ask real quick, can we just pause for a few moments and just go through this verse exegetically? It's just a big fancy word of saying step by step. The reason why is because I believe God wants to give us a new revelation tonight of how much he loves us. To give a new revelation of the life he's destined for you and the life he's created for you. And so with all that being said, let's read the verse real quick or, or we can quote it out loud together, whatever you want to do. But John 3.16 so simply says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. My friends, do you just realize the reality of what we just read? Man, I'm convinced if I was stranded on an island and some weird joker was like, yo, you only get one Bible verse, go with you, bro. I'm taking John 3.16 with me. Because the depth of wisdom, the depth of revelation of who God is, of how much he loves us, of the life that he has for us. My friend, there is no end to that understanding in this verse. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Johnny, for God so loved Karen, Kyle, Rachel, for God so loved you. He gave his one and only son, not that you would be perish and be far from him, but that you would walk and be close and be personal and know him. That's the beauty of the gospel. It really is the good news, and that truly is what John 3.16 means. But, but I got to be honest, the first time I heard the verse John 3.16, like, for my life, it didn't go down like that, okay? So the first time I heard this verse, I remember very clearly because I was five years old, and it was one of the most terrifying experiences in my entire life, okay? So, like, let, let me explain. So when I was five years old, I would always go to Sunday school. We got any Sunday schoolers in here? Yeah, okay, okay, I see you. Like, my Sunday school was the bomb. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, literally, we had Cheerios on deck, had the felt characters. How many remember the felt characters? Yeah. Did you ever notice, like, Jesus was always gone? And you're like, we're going to use Moses. Jesus didn't have a stick. He did today, Tommy. Like, he did. You know, like, you'd use him. And I'll never forget, sweet Sunday school sister Sally, we're up there, and I'm having my Cheerios. I'm enjoying life. Ready to hear another great, riveting Bible story. And all of a sudden, she begins to talk about John 3, 16. I'm like, that's so cool. And then she asks this very peculiar, disturbing question. Chancellor, have you asked Jesus into your heart? And I remember as a five-year-old kid looking at her, looking at my heart, looking at the felt Moses Jesus with a stick and wondering, how in the world is that guy going to end up in here? Like, I wasn't too keen about being like a Jesus RV. Like, oh, we're going to Lake Thunderbird. Like, that was weird. Like, I didn't understand. But then she said this to even make it more odd. Well, have you? Because I've asked Jesus into my heart. 
And then in my peculiar five-year-old mind, here's what I realized. She had Jesus leaving her heart, and he needed a new place to stay. So he probably was trying to move and feed. I had rent or something was going on. And I remember saying, no, and I don't want, I don't want him like, I'm good. And she was like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me explain. And praise the Lord, I had a great Sunday school teacher being able to tell me what that truly meant. And if you've been in church for a while, it's a term we've used, or maybe you've only heard it a couple times because you're new to this gathering. But it's simply this. Have you encountered the radical, amazing, incredible love of Jesus? Have you known the love of God? You know, for me as a five-year-old, him moving into my heart, I was like, that's weird. I don't understand. Like, I see that in cartoons. But what I came to realize as I've gotten older and as I continue with my journey in Jesus is it's saying, hey, do you realize that God desires to be involved in your life? Do you realize that Jesus loves you so much? He wants you to know him, and he wants to fully show you the life that he's created for you. And what I love is that whenever we look at this verse, that's not just something I'm coming up with because it sounds good and it makes us emotionally feel good, but it really is the objective, the ultimate truth of God. And what I love about this love, friends, is it's not some ordinary love. And the reason why is, 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 is because it doesn't just start with some ordinary person. See, at the beginning of this verse, we see this right here. For God. Now, now hold on real quick, because when I say that, you're like, okay. And maybe, maybe in this size of a room, I, I really don't know for you personally in your story what you think of when you hear God. Like maybe when you hear for God, you think of like this mystical orb. Or maybe it's like, you know, some old guy with a cane and a long beard. Or maybe for you, it's an old man that's sitting on his front lawn. He's like, hey, get off my lawn. Like, maybe it's, maybe it's like that. Or maybe for some of you, it's a dude up there with a checklist. And he's like, okay, good deed. Okay, bad deed. And, he, and he's tallying. You know, or a study show us, maybe for some of you, it's an image that you see of your own father. Maybe that's a good image. Maybe that's a bad image. Maybe that's not even an image at all. But the reality is today, here's what I want you to know. The God that we see in the Bible literally is an incredible God. Literally is such an extravagant God. It's the one that literally breathed creation, that holds all of existence in the palm of his hand, that literally spoke to life what is life, and it became life, that literally created imagination, creative creativity, psychology, engineering, mathematics, like all of wisdom, our emotions, our experience, everything. This is the God that we talk about when we say for God. He's the one that literally created gravity. That now as we are literally going thousands of miles around the sun, as we're spinning thousands of miles on our axis, right now we are sitting in our chairs or standing because of gravity, and we're not slammed up against that wall just trying to hold on for dear life. Like, that is the God of all creation. But that's the same God that looks at you and says, I so deeply and desperately love you. The God of the cosmos, the God of the universe the God that made all that we know and experience. He made this and said, hey, I've created this so that you can know that I created you and that I love you. See, I'm not just saying that because I think it sounds good, but when you look at scripture, it says, for God so loved. Look at the person next to you, say, so loved. So loved. Now, now, when I say that, I know in our culture, like everybody loves everything. Like some of you are like, man, I love my girlfriend. I love my boyfriend, blessed. 
Some of you are like, I love pizza. I love Fortnite. You know, and it's like so many different things. And you're like, you love your girlfriend as much as Fortnite? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm 12. Like, okay, that makes sense. But like even for people that are married, you're like, girl, I love you, but I also love fishing. Am I on the same level as fishing? No, no, no. But there, well, in our world today, there's such a different, just broken down version of really what is love. And we just wonder, what is love? But here's what I want you to know about the love of God when we see in the original language is that this is a love that never is changing. In its original version, it's written down with his understanding agape. In the original language, in the tense, it is an active and present love. So meaning that whenever the writers of scripture wrote this down, it was an active love. And it was saying, hey, for God loves the world. He loves you. But here's what you need to realize. Because it's written in the active tense, it's true and active when it was written then. But it's true and active as we're reading it now. It's a radical, amazing, active, present love that was present then, but is actively present now. And my friends, it's a love that's not diminishing, and it's a love that's not changing. Listen, let me give you an example of this. I'll never forget the first time I fell in love. It was more like deep like, okay? I was, I was at kids, kids camp. How many of you ever been to kids camp before? Oh, let's go, let's go. Okay, if you're a kid going to kids camp, it's awesome. If you're a counselor... I'm going to pray for you. Like, literally, it's like, well, we're just going to have hunger games happen and just see who survives and meets Jesus. Like, literally, it's like radical whenever that takes place. But for real, I remember going, and I was, I was eight years old, and I remember I met this girl. Her name was Jessica. And, like, Jessica came up to me, and she's like, I really like you. I love you. You're mine. And I was like, uh-huh. Like, I was totally into this. And I remember, like, the last day at camp, she was like, I'm never going to forget you. Like, I'm always going to be there. Okay. And I was like, uh-huh. And, like, she leaves, and I didn't get her number. And remember, this is before Facebook, all of that stuff. So, like, when you met someone, you couldn't be like, I'm going to Google and creeping and finding them. Okay. Like, this was back in the 90s when it was weird to stalk people. Okay. So, like, that's where I'm from. So, that's when my story takes place. But what's so funny is over time, whenever I first went to college, I went to UCO, the University of Central Oklahoma. And what's crazy is one day I met Jessica. I saw her again. She was going to the same college, and I was like, oh, that girl loves me. I was so excited. And I had a great idea as a freshman in college. I was like, I'm going to tell this girl that I love her, that she loves me. She told me when she was eight, like, yeah, like, I'll, let's do this. And I remember I went up to Jessica. And I was like, hey, girl, how you doing? And she's like, well, I'm doing it. That's awesome. I got to tell you something. I just love you. Remember in eighth grade when we were hanging out? And, like, kids' church was happening. We saw them puppets. And, like, the spirit was moving. Like, girl, you told me you're never going to forgive me. And I remembered. And, like, I was there. I love you. And I'm, like, literally, I'm pouring my heart out in the commons area. You know, as people are walking by. And in my mind, some of you are like, I can't imagine. It's like Hollywood, okay? Like, there's colors and lights. And for me, this was a really big moment. And I'm like, girl, I love you. And I say all this stuff to her. And then she looks at me dead in the eyes and goes, that's nice. That's nice. Like, I poured my love out to you. and like, that's nice. I was like, I thought you said you were going to love me forever. She's like, Chancellor, we were eight years old. We were, we were kids. Like, did you really think I was going to love you forever? Uh-huh. Like, I totally thought you were going to love me forever. And so often what can happen in our humanity, we'll have people that tell us, yo, I love you. We ride a die for life. I'm with you. And then a month later, we're like, Where the, where'd you go? Like, I thought we were ride or die for life. Like, you my Chick-fil-A. Not today. Sunday. Closed. Like, we're like, what happened? Yeah, that's good, wasn't it? That's horrible. <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are great. You know, we have moments like that, and then we'd be like, but I thought you were going to be with me. Wait, you promised this. You told me this when I was a kid. Mom, where are you now? 
wow, you told me that you were going to, that this was like, I do until death do us part, but we're not dead and you're gone. You're, man, Lord, okay, you love me, but one hand's up, but this other hand's back here because there may be a plan B. My friends, here's what you need to know. The love of God is an act of love. Literally breathe, inspired word of God. God's saying, I love you. God loves you as much today as he did the day you came to know him. Or maybe you haven't came to know the Lord. And God's saying, yo, I loved you so much that before you were born, I made a way for you to know my love. And my friends, can I tell you this? This is a love that doesn't change. Even on our greatest day where we feel like God loves us and life is good. God loves us as much on that day as he loves in the greatest day when we are in the darkest depth of sin. That is the radical love of God. Because for God so loved the world. Now when I say the world, I'm not talking about like the bees and like the mountains and your dog. Whenever we look and we see in scripture that God says, for God so loved the world, the world simply means the sinful human condition, mankind. And now real quick, I need to give a little lesson on sinology real quick, just to get us on the same page. You know, when it comes to sin, Maybe some people don't want to talk about it, but the reality is sin does exist. Like, if you have a toddler, you know sin exists. Like, it's present. Like, you know it's there. You know, we've all seen sin. Just go look on the news. You can see horrific things that are happening. But here's what you need to realize. When it comes to sin, so many times people think, I'm a sinner because I've sinned. Because of something I did and committed, now that has made me the sinner. The reality, friend, is you're, you're not a sinner because you're sin but you actually sin because you're a sinner. Like, let me tra track with me. You're born into this world a sinner. So many times people think you come in as a clean slate, as a baby, and then sin happened, and all of a sudden you're dark. And then you learn whenever you're 13, you're like, that's not fair, I didn't know back then. Like, what? No, no, no. When we're born into this world, we are born as sinners. It's the inherited sin that's on every single person. Psalms 51, every man, woman, child that has ever been born into this world is born with an inherited sin. Now listen, some of you are like, this is a depressing message. Like, I don't want to hear this. Listen, I promise, we're going from depression to exaltation. Stay with me, okay? We're born into this world as sinners. Now, as sinners, it says very clearly in Scripture that when we are in sin, that we are dead in sin. Not physically, but spiritually. We are dead. We have blinders on our eyes, okay? We're dead, and we're destined into a hell, a damnation, a separation from God. I know this is getting crazy, but stay with me. I want you to catch this. I get it, we're dead. But we are dead in sin, and there is nothing we can do to bring ourselves to life. I don't know if you've gone to a cemetery lately. It's not a party. They're not getting turned out there, okay? They're dead. Like, dead is dead, okay? So whenever we're born in this world, we are dead in sin, unable to save ourselves. Now, let's jump to the awesome part, a little salvation knowledge. Here's how it works. God, the creator of the universe, cosmos, saw us dead in sin, unable to do anything, and he said, I love them. Well, we are dead in darkness, like separated from God. God is like, oh, I love them. Like they need to know I love them. They need to know what I have for them. And he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. He says, I'm going to send my one and only son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes and he lives a perfect life, being fully God and fully man, a beautiful mystery. Go study. I encourage you being fully God and fully man. As Hebrews says, facing all the temptations we face, everything that we encounter, he comes live a perfect, sinless life. And as we see in Scripture, the penalty of sin is death. But Jesus had never sinned, never had to know death, but freely chose to take death. And when he took death, he became 
sin. The man that knew no sin became sin. So now he has taken sin and he has put it upon a cross and he dies. And he comes back to life. He is raised to death. And then all of a sudden, something so incredible, something that changes the history of time and space takes place. Where the one that didn't know sin became sin. And all of a sudden made a way for those that are dead to come alive. Now here's the final step of what takes place. God sent Jesus. Jesus died. Came back to life. Now went back to the Father. Then what happens is this right here. The Holy Spirit comes knocking on your soul. Holy Spirit shows up, you're dead in sin, knocks on your heart and says, hey, you don't have to be dead anymore. Hey, the blinders that are on your life, the dead that you were experiencing, you don't have to experience that, experience that anymore. And then we look up and we see the Holy Spirit and we go, okay, what do I have to do? You don't have to do anything work-based because Jesus already did it all. All you have to do is accept Jesus and now you receive the righteousness of God. So all of a sudden, as we're dead in sin, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're dead, but you can be made alive. We accept Jesus into our heart. All of a sudden, we become alive, and we have the righteousness of God that we are now clothed in. So now when the Father is looking down on us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees the righteousness of God that we are clothed in. I hope you're getting excited in your soul, because for those of you that have given your life to Jesus, you have the righteousness of God clothed around you. Father is looking at you saying, that is my son, that is my daughter, that is the one with who I am pleased. That is the righteousness of God. Where now, for those that have given your life to Jesus, you are right standing before God. And it says, in Jesus, we live, we move, and we have our being. So now what was once dead, decaying, and broken has been made alive and is living life to the fullest because of Jesus Christ. This is the radical love of God. Because if you notice, it wasn't while you were dead in sin, you had to take care of your cussing problem. You had to dress a little different, act a little different, and then God said, okay, I choose that one. No, no. For God so loved the world, he came and died for Christians. For God so loved the world, he came and died. That whoever believes in him would have eternal life. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord not whoever gets their act together, not whoever behaves, but whoever calls on the name of Jesus is going to know their father, is going to know eternity. Friends, the beauty of the gospel is not the perfection, but it's the direction of Jesus. It's not, oh, I'm going to get myself good and then God will love me. No, God loved you dead in your sin and came and found you and said, that one's mine. I love them so much. I care for them so much. I'm so desperately and passionately in love with them. This is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he freely gave his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but they would have forever life. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of John 3.16. It's not a love that's distant from you that you have to work for, but it's a love that's present and that's available for you. And for those of you that have given your life to Christ, this is the beauty that we now stand in. That we can look ahead truly believing and knowing that the best is yet to come because of the work of Christ. That it's not a work we have to strive for, but it's literally, as Hebrews says, keeping our focus on the supremacy of Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and transform us into the person he's called and created us to be. 
when we understand truly what grace is, truly what the love of God is, all of a sudden there is a revival, there is a fire that begins to take place and transform our life, but it also begins to transform our families. It begins to transform our, our friends, our communities, our schools, literally people that we never thought could ever encounter God are all of a sudden saying, why are you so different? Is it Jesus? All of a sudden, it's something so radical. But what's crazy, friends, is this isn't a love that's available for a select few. It's not available for certain people, but it's available for whoever calls on the name of God. Whoever, any person, any being that acts and calls. But let's get this conversation really practical. Because so many times as a pastor, I hear this question right here. Okay, pastor, like I've given my life to Jesus. Like we all good. I get, I was dead. I'm alive. But like, why am I still here on this earth? Like, why am I still existing? Why am I still breathing? Like, I don't understand. Listen, friends, the reason we are here still on this earth is to share and tell people the story of Jesus. And I'm not just talking about in this space right here. I'm talking about out there outside these walls, in your community, in your school, down the hallway, when you go to Taco Bell. You meet someone random, and all of a sudden, God's like, hey, tell them about me. Those are the whosoevers, but let's get it even more personal. Who is the whosoever in your life that needs to hear the story of Jesus? Listen, my friends, when we get to heaven, we can do everything better than we're doing it here. We can gather together. We can celebrate together. We can declare Jesus better. We can eat better. Hallelujah. Like, we can do a lot of things, but friends, when we get to heaven, we can't, we can't tell anybody about Jesus because everybody that's up there already knows who he is. But friends, while we're here now, God has found us worthy and honorable to share the gospel of who he is. Listen, life is not about getting a nice looking 401k. It's not getting about getting a big house, getting to the pinnacle of my career. Listen, those are good things and we should work hard. But it's not about getting the degree. It's not about being the best. It's not about being first chair. It's about sharing the gospel of Christ. But all of a sudden, when we make that the priority, all of those things will come with us. Because here's the beauty of scripture. When we build the house of God, God in return builds our house. Because his house is actually our house. I don't know if you knew this, but anytime in scripture, when you see it talk about the church, it's not talking about a building. It's not talking about a denomination. It's talking about his people. For those of you that have given your life to Jesus, you, his people, you the people, the children of God. But friends, that is why we are here. But so many times when I say that, people say, okay, but what does that like look like? Like, okay, but that's hard. And I'll hear like, well, I really don't know what to say. Like, I'm not a pastor. I haven't gone to Bible school. Here's what's great, friends. You don't know what to say. Simply go talk to him about John 3, 16. And you just insert the name. Okay. For God so loved Bill. Your name is Bill, right? Bill, God loved you. And uh, he gave his life for you. And you believe in him, you're going to have eternal life. John 3, 16, start walking through the gospel. People, I don't know what to say. Or people say, well, well, won't God send somebody? Like, he's sovereign. He's in control. He's got this. Yeah, God is, and he did. It's you. God sent you. Where so many people go, well, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know the situation. Friends, here's what's so great. When we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't just knock on our heart and say, all right, you're on your own. Deuces, I'm out. No, the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, active, breathing, moving, where all of a sudden you're going up and you're saying, hey, have you heard about Jesus because he loves you, he cares about you, and gave his son for you? And all of a sudden you're saying stuff and you're like, I didn't study this, I didn't prepare for this. But all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is using your life in an active way. He's using you. Let me give you an example. 
right now I'm finishing up and I'm going to school and I'm getting my master's and I've got a computer that's from 2009 like it's super old okay it's a MacBook and it's been working great, but that was until, like, my fan went out on my computer, okay? So long story short, I try to do anything on my computer, and it burns like the Dickens, and it's, like, f- freezing up. Like, literally no video, nothing's working, nothing's happening. But then all of a sudden, I had this bright idea where I said, you know what? I'm going to go find a box fan, and I'm going to put this right next to my computer. So I took this box fan, and I put it right next to my computer. I turned that puppy on 10, and it was like, Whoo! and all my papers went, and they were gone, okay? But literally, all of a sudden, I turned that on. I went play to watch the video, and it was like, woo, like it was running like crazy. All of a sudden, because my computer that was in a stagnant position, that was locked up, that was slowly moving, the moment it had fresh wind that was breathing upon it, somebody come with me here, the moment it's breathing, all of a sudden it is moving and working better than it ever had before. My friends, listen, if you've given your life to Jesus, the moment you position your life and say, God, I just want to use by you, I don't care what it looks like, I'm just going to step out in faith, all of a sudden you have fresh wind at your back. You have the Lord that is speaking into your life, where all of a sudden you're beginning to talk, you're beginning to have a boldness, where literally while you were meeting with somebody to work on their truck, all of a sudden you're helping them change their motor and working on on the engine, but you're also helping work on their soul because you're having bravery to talk about the story of Jesus, the greatest story that's ever been told. And all of a sudden, there is a fresh wind that's breathing upon your life. Friends, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the God that is at work in our life that's not far from us, but is very present and active with us. So the question tonight for us becomes so simple. Who is the whoever in your life that you need to talk to? Who's the whoever in your life that Jesus is saying, hey, can you just tell him about me? Because the beauty of God is not that he does everything for us, but he desires to partner with us, to develop us completely into who he's called us to be and to use our life, to use our story, to share the greatness of who he is. But so many times, too many people miss out on experiencing the greatness of God because they're too fearful of the faith step it's going to take to see the greatness revealed. Too many times people go, oh, I wish God would do that. Maybe he wants to, but I'm not sure. Oh, I don't feel good about it. My friends, what if you just took that step? What if you just reached out and you started that business that God's been telling you to do? What about the stay-at-home mom where God's been saying, hey, I want to use you to be bivocational, and I'm going to bless you where you're going to be able to have your kids and take care of them, but also there's going to be a business that comes out of your home that reaches these other women that are in desperate need. What about you, Father, that you've been praying and saying, God, I need you to do a financial miracle, and you feel like the Lord's went you to go talk to your boss and ask for a raise, but you're like, I don't know about that. What if you took that faith step? What if we began to believe the extravagance of God that's in Scripture like it really is? What if we actually believe the miracles and the stories? What if we truly grabbed hold? And said, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. My friends, the moment we do that, God says, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you, but I'm going to bless you beyond what you could ask or even imagine. My friend, these aren't fables. These aren't fake stories. These are promises from the God of the cosmos that breathes into your life and cares for you. This is the love of God. This is the love the Lord has for this world. This is the love that the Lord has for you. And this is the love that the Lord has for the whosoever's in your life. Even the people that you think could never know the story of Jesus. You know, there's a crazy radical story. It's in Luke. And every time I read it, it blows my mind. It's the story of the robber slash thief, whatever translation you're reading. 
It's the story of when Jesus is dying on the cross. Many in this room are going to know the story. He's hanging between two thieves. And there's one thief that looks at Jesus, and he's just making fun of him. He's like, hey, you shouldn't be here, but you are just literally blasting Jesus, making fun. And Jesus is just there, and he's not retaliating. He's just listening. He's just yelling and yelling. And then finally, one thief looks at him and says, hey, can you just shut your mouth? Because the reality is, like, we should be up here. Like, we actually deserve this death. We've lived in sin. And, I, yeah, sin is death. That's where it leads. And he says, hey, we've done stuff wrong. We've been caught. But he says, this man right here, this man's never known sin. And what's crazy about that story is there's never a moment in Scripture where it says, and Jesus talked to the robber and the thieves before they were crucified. But what would have happened was during that day, those people would have been in the same crowd, where as they were going towards their execution, they would have watched Jesus all day. They would have seen how he never tried to run away. He never tried to get free. He never fought back the people that were persecuting him. He never fought back. Whenever the nails went to his hands, he wasn't screaming and trying to rip his hand away. But he took death upon his life. You know what's so radical, friends? Is the moment we begin to live, love, and look like Jesus, we simply just echo Jesus to a world that's so desperately in need of an answer. There's a world right now in chaos that's looking for resolutions to a multitude of things. But what happens is when we begin to live, love, and look like Jesus, it makes a world that takes notice and says, why are you so different? And for this man, he looks at Jesus and he says this right here. He says, today, when you get to paradise, do you think there's any chance that you could remember me? And Jesus, the one full of love, looked at him and said, today, going to be with me in paradise. Today, son, you're coming home. Today, you're no longer going to know death, but you're going to know life. And what's so crazy about that, friends, Jesus never said, hey, yeah, but actually hop off this tree and go start a nonprofit. You just hang here and don't cuss anymore while it hurts, and then you can come to heaven. He said, no, 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 you're coming home with me, because the very sins that you committed that put you on this cross are the very sins that I'm dying for right next to you so you never have to know death ultimately forever. That's the love of Jesus. That's the love that God has for us. And friends, that's the love that God has for the people in your life, the whosoevers that you don't even know about. Because the reality is whenever we share the gospel, whenever revival begins to take place in a city, in a town, in a church, it will get messy. The reason why is because the gospel is not a perfect little cookie cutter situation but it is a personal revelation of who God is for every person that is in this room or ever hears the story of Jesus. So what happens is all of a sudden when you begin to share stories at work to people that have never heard the story of Jesus, and they get excited and they come and they're a part or they say, yeah, that sounds good, but then they go back home and they're living in sin, they're still messed up. Listen, it's okay for people to go on a journey. I'm not saying that it's okay for people to live in sin and remain there. No, when we encounter Jesus, remember, our life is transformed. But listen, it's okay if people go on a journey. It's okay if somebody that was addicted to pornography, addicted to a substance for 30 years, is still struggling for six months. It doesn't mean that God's not working in their life. Remember where God found you, friend. Remember, we were dead in sin, but God said, hey, come alive because you're coming home. Listen, can we be the arms? Can we be the feet? Can we be the hugs? Can we be the encouragement of Jesus? Where we say, you may not look like me, you may not talk like me, act like me, but I love you so deeply. 
I care for you so much. I want you to know there's a God that loves you. Friends, when we live in this radical love, all of a sudden, life looks completely different. All of a sudden, revival begins to take place, and our families don't look the same. All of a sudden, communities don't look the same. Our schools don't look the same. All of a sudden, there's forgiveness that's flowing in the street. All of a sudden, there's no longer racial tension. All of a sudden, there's no longer need for hope homes because the people of a city are the home that is bringing hope. All of a sudden, the world looks different because of Christ and because the love of Christ that's in us. And friends, remember, it's not something you have to be perfect at, but it's something you just need to head in the direction of. Because the Holy Spirit's going to perfect. The Holy Spirit's going to move. Remember, we don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. All I do is tell them about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does the work. But the Holy Spirit wants to use your life. See, my friends, the reality is today, I know in this collection of people, there's from so many different churches. We're all spread out across the city. But what's so beautiful is right now we're in this moment. We're unified because of Christ. And in Psalms, it says this. It says, wherever the people of God are unified, God demands a blessing. As we're unified in this moment, God's going to begin to bless. He's going to begin to bless your situation. He's going to begin to bless your home. As you're leaning with expectation, as you're looking at him, this is the truth of what God's going to do. But he's also going to bless you as you go and share the story of Jesus. And real quick, this is the last thing I want to say. I just want to share a story from my own life. I want to share a story of how this plays out. Because so many times we can hear a message like this, and we're like, yeah, I'm going to go take the city. Ah! And then we run out there. Hey, do you know Jesus? They cussed me out. And they're like, I'm never doing that again. And we're like, I don't. I'm like, no, that's horrible. Or we're like, well, I heard God was great. I went out there. I'm fighting with my spouse again. Or I woke up for work, and I'm still tired and exhausted. Listen, remember, the gospel is messy. The journey is messy. And for me, what's so crazy is two weeks ago, I had a messy situation that happened in my life. Because one of the opportunities I have is to share the story of Jesus and travel and around the nation. The other opportunity I have is to make lattes at Starbucks for people. <laughs> I'm a barista. I love coffee, by the way. You can know that. You're like, I can tell. Okay. I love coffee. But I also love people. And as I went and I stepped out in faith, said, Lord, I, I want to plant a church in Miami. I know that you're calling. There's people that need it. The Lord's like, okay, work at Starbucks. Get to know people. I'm like, okay. I'm going to work at Starbucks. And I, I need to be off in the afternoon evening. So it's like, great. I got the 4 a.m. shift. Like, that's when I work. And so, so two weeks ago, I woke up at 4 a.m. And uh, for those of you who have never been up that early, it's okay. God's not up that early. Like, he's not. Like, I'm convinced. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Never slumbers or sleeps. I'm pretty sure about that. But anyways, so I, I wake up, and as soon as I wake up, I'll tell you one thing. I wasn't a chipper. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, here we go again. Life. I was tired. I was exhausted, and I'm getting ready. I'm brushing my teeth. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm here, and we're planting a church. And right now, all I see is faith. It's crazy. I don't know what's happening. And it's just me and my wife and my dog. So we have three people on church. I'm cleaning the, the dog because when you're a church planner, you claim anything that moves. You're like, if they're moving, count them as a person, okay? So there's three of us, right? And so so I'm like, okay, so it's 4 a.m. I get ready, get on my bike, drive in, go through the dark, get in the city. I finally get to Starbucks. I walk up. I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, all right, God, use me today. And I, I remember taking this moment and just praying. And this isn't like, oh, spiritual pastor. No, this is, this is just a man that just wants to be used by Jesus. I know I'm not alone in this room. You're here on a Wednesday night when it's dark outside and it's cold. Listen, you're the person that wants to be used by Jesus. I hope this story is just an encouragement and a reflection of what happens. And so I said, Jesus, I just want to be used by you. So all of a sudden I go to work and I see I see Sarah. It's the same person I work with every single morning. So we open the story, or we open the door, we're walking in. And so she knows that I'm a church planner, that I travel and speak. And 
so all of a sudden she says, hey, so like, like what, is, what have you been studying lately? Like, what do you do? Like, I know you, you're a pastor or something. So like, you just go home and read the Bible and eat communion, right? So I'm like, that's exactly what I do. This body got through communion. Like, that's how that happened. I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, actually, like, there's a little bit to it. But I said, really, it's just simply this. God loves you like crazy. Style. She's broken. She's in sin. She's like, okay, God loves me. I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, like, God God really loves you. Like, right now, he loves you a lot. Like, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. And I didn't explain it all like this. I just said, hey, God loved you. He came and died for your sin. He made a way for you. And the moment you ask him in your life, my life to the fullest. And I've seen it happen in my life. And I saw my Jesus guy. I just think he loves me. And so all this said, what happened was at 4.45 a.m., we stopped from grinding coffee and making tea to talking about Jesus. And she says, could God really love me that much? Because you know I do this. You know I've done this, and I am doing this, and I'm probably going to do this tonight. Could God really love me that much? And I said, no, it's not that God could love you that much. God does love you that much. That's the love of God. In that moment, she looked at me. Her eyes got teary. She said, Okay, that's cool. We just went back in the room. We went back to what we were doing. And it was like in that moment she got on her knees and I prayed for her. We're crying out. And all of a sudden I'm explaining the Trinity and I'm talking about Noah and why the floods are real. Like, no, it wasn't all this super crazy stuff. It's just simply living, loving, and looking like Jesus. Students, you don't have to get up on your table at the cafeteria and be like, y'all know Jesus. No. You just go and you say, hey, how you doing today? Hey, it's nice to see you. possibility for me to live like that? It's like, hey, there's not a possibility. There's actually already a way. Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit has used you to be the person that's helping knock on the door of their heart and saying, hey, if you want to come home, there's an opportunity. This is the story of John 3.16, friends. This is the love of God. And I pray that as we move out of this place today, that we would be a community that doesn't live in the land of what if or what would have happened, but we would live in the Jesus, I thank you, God, for your love, for your goodness, for your grace. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here in this room. And Lord, I thank you that tonight, a verse that many of us have read so many times, or maybe saw on a quilt that our grandma had, or maybe saw on an Instagram post. Lord, I thank you that tonight it's becoming real in such a new way. The Holy Spirit is beginning to breathe and work and give us a revelation. And Lord, I pray right now in this moment that you would begin to go through every row, every single seat, 
God, you would let every person in this room know how much they are loved by God. That the God of infinite greatness has stepped down into this finite moment to let us know how much he loves us. And Lord, I thank you that in eternity past, as you rolled out the scrolls of time, you saw this moment in this place. And then you said, this is a place I desire to pour out my spirit. That I desire to reveal my love. Lord, I pray over the next few moments, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know your love in this way, that they would come to know it like never before. In this moment right now, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, this isn't just because this is a religious thing we do at the end of a message. It's just a moment for you to pause to reflect on your story and your own life. You know, tonight we had the incredible opportunity to hear from the greatest book ever, the story of Jesus story of the love God has for us. My friend, I want you to know it's not a love that's separate from you. It's not a love that you have to earn, you have to work for, strive for. But it is a radical love that's available for you. That Jesus paid for with his own life on the cross so you could know a life with him. And it's a love that's available now. So in this moment right here, maybe you're in here you never had the opportunity to ask Jesus into your to encounter the story of Jesus. What's incredible is in a few moments you're going to have that opportunity. Or maybe you're in here and you'd be like, hey, Chancellor, there was like a moment one time at a camp or something happened, but if I'm honest right now, like I've never felt this before. I've never felt this love. Listen, my friend, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart, saying I've got something for you. I've got a love to reveal to you. And what happens is when we take that step of faith, all of a sudden life becomes so brand new. We're given a heart, we're given a new mind, we're given a new soul. And we can look forward knowing because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. So in this moment right now, with no one looking around, if that's you, I just want the opportunity to pray with you. So if that's you, I'd ask in this moment, if you wouldn't mind raising your hand, just saying, hey, that's me. Why don't you put your hand up? You can put it right back down. I'm just saying, Chancellor, I want to know Jesus like that. That's awesome. Just saying, hey, that's me. Come on. That's awesome. Why don't you put your hand up? You can put it down. Come on. People are raising their hands. If that's you, if you raised your hand, so great. So great. Just say, that's awesome. It's awesome. Come on, hands are going up everywhere. That's awesome. The love of Jesus is in this place. If you raise your hand just in this moment, say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. It's not the only thing you need to talk with Jesus about, but it's the starting point. You're saying, Jesus, I want to know your love. I'm so great. So cool. That's awesome. For those of you who raise your hands, you can put them right back down. And in a few moments, you're going to have the opportunity to come up here to the altar. And it's a moment not to embarrass you, but it's to empower you. Because the truth is, when we step out in faith, we step out of the foundation. As I raise my hand, but I'm going to the front, and I'm stepping out, it creates a moment in my life where I go, man, I know. I know I've encountered Jesus. But in this room, I know today that there's two groups. There's those that need to encounter the love of Jesus. But for those of us that have asked Jesus into our heart, for us, the question becomes, who's the whoever in our life? 